Hey everyone, welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Romans chapter 6. It reads, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin, once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace." What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness." I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time? From the things of which you are now ashamed. For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as we continue to walk through what Paul is talking with us about here, you know, he understands that he's laid a lot at our feet and he's given us a lot to ponder. And now he's going to start to really anticipate questions or struggles or things that the Roman church is going to have a greater need to understand and really flesh it out in some different ways. And so he starts to do that here in chapter 6. And as he gets into that, we're going to start with our question before we focus in on the greater part of what the chapter is focusing on, because it almost seems like right off the bat here, he starts to say that baptism is this super important mark of your faith. And so let's talk about that. Is it the baptism that's saving us? Is it something else? Why is it that Paul is bringing that up here as he begins this concept and this focus here on how we've died to sin, but now live in Christ? Yeah, just really understanding just what his audience was thinking about when they are even thinking of the word baptism. And from a historical point of view, it wasn't what we understand baptism is something that's done by the Spirit, but also maybe a dipping in the water and and uh, when people get baptized in church. But in those days, baptism was actually when they dyed a piece of fabric and they were changing the color. They would actually 
dip the fabric into the dye and the dipping of the fabric and then pulling it back out was a baptism. And the same thing, even if they were drawing water from a well, they would dip the cup or the bucket under the water, submerge it, and then they would pull it back up. And that dipping to pulling it back out was considered the act of it's been baptized. The bucket's been baptized or the piece of cloth has been baptized. That's what we have to think of. But what Paul was talking about here was not a physical baptism where you would be then identifying with the other members of the church, letting them know that you believe the same things they do. He is talking about a spiritual baptism. This is where in the justification process, God has now indwelled you with the Holy Spirit and you've been considered baptized because why? Your old nature, your sin nature has been buried with Christ, put down, and now the newness of you is risen. You are a new man. And it talks about that. In, in verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism. That's the Holy Spirit coming in you into death, right? That's dead. Why? In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might walk into the newness of life. And so again, it's kind of going back to what we talked about. We are no longer bound by that old man. What is even meant by that is it's our humanness. We talked about in five how Adam, we were all born into Adam and then born into sin because of our humanness. We're all human and that humanness is still alive, but the sin nature that we have and that ruled our lives and that controlled us, that's now dead. So we need to first, like you pointed us to understand that, hey, this is not a physical baptism that he's talking about. That's a spiritual. And so that's where the big question of the misunderstanding of saying like, hey, wait, is Paul saying that, hey, this is now about baptism and not faith that's putting us with there? But when we see what he's talking about in the context of what you've just laid out for us, we understand, no, that's this spiritual baptism that is associating us with Christ and helps us to understand his argument here. And you've already touched on what he's going to, to talk about this struggle that is now taking place. And I really want us to to lay some anchors here, to really dig into what he's talking about here, because, you know, this is something that we all struggle with. We realize we're not perfect, and even after we've made a profession of faith, even after the Holy Spirit has come into our life, we still struggle with sin. How is it that if I'm dead to sin, I still keep sinning? How is it that if Christ has taken me over, I still struggle with sin? Paul anticipates that as his question. He writes about it here, and we should mine this for our listeners. That's such a great question. Paul starts to make his argument in verse 12 where he says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. My spirit now, I have the Holy Spirit in me. He has now given me the power to be free to righteousness. I am no longer a slave to sin like I once was. It doesn't have that power over me, but I still am in my mortal body. And 
I still am a human being. And as long as I am still a human being, I am now there tempted to sin. And what he's saying is that the body is associated with sin, really referring to my humanness. And as long as I am in this body, because I was born into Adam, I am going to have a problem with sin. And my body is supposed to be used to honor God, right? My mouth, my hands, I'm to go serve him, but I don't do it. I have been free to now practice righteousness. I couldn't do that before. But look down to verse 15. It says, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. And what we have to look and see there is that he's not talking about a lifestyle of sin. That's really what I have been freed from. I still occasionally sin, and that's really what he's talking about. And he's really referring to our relationship to righteousness. I don't have that lifestyle of sin anymore. My relationship to sin, as far as its rule over me, it's dead. That's so good, Ursula. And if you have been with us on Sunday morning, you heard Pastor Jeff talking through an individual who was a false teacher who was talking about these types of things, basically saying, hey, if you are now freed from sin, hey, you can kind of just do whatever you want. That's not what this is saying. In fact, it's saying the exact opposite. If you are acting like that, if you are still allowing sin to reign in your body, as he said here in this passage, salvation is not present. If you're struggling with the occasional sin, that's a part of living in a fallen world. And he's really going to help us to see in chapter 7, if you're at that place where you're sensitive over the struggle of your sin, hey, that's a good place to be. Because that's showing a heart that is humbly submitted to God and is struggling with the fallen world that they live in and desiring to give God a greater stamp on their heart and desiring to have victory over that sin in the mortality that we have here. But this is not the only place that Paul talks about this. You know, he goes in so many other passages and talks about the struggle and talks about it in other ways that I think would be beneficial for us to touch on here so that we can understand the totality of the teaching of Scripture when we think about our struggle with sin and what God has given us to work through that process. Yeah, Paul does do that. He does go on and shows us about really putting our sin to death. But the one thing he does contrast in this chapter very well is, you know, is the law. And and you remember we're no longer under law, right? Because really the law shows me my sin. I couldn't even see my sin before. And now all I see is sin. It's not that we're perfect, but again, my relationship to sin, I'm no longer controlled by that, right? It's no longer my master. And in theory, I never have to sin again, except for I am still human, so I'm going to, right? In Colossians 3.9, Paul talks about this. He, he says, and this is our relationship to occasional sin, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, right? The old self is my old identity, who I used to be. I need to stop fooling myself that I no longer have the power to not sin. I've been freed to righteousness. I've been freed 
to have the power to no longer sin. And he also says in Ephesians 4.22, he says, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. In 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds, because that's where I tend to sin, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I am to now use my body to honor God. I am to walk. Paul will flesh this out actually even more starting in chapter 12 of Romans, where he says we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. But I don't want to give all that away. But again, just know he gives us grace. It's a free gift. And when we receive that grace, if we go back and look into chapter 5, that free gift he gave, that death won't reign. Sin won't be a master over me. And you're going to have a master. You're going to have a master of sin, and you're going to have a lifestyle of that sin, or you're going to have a master of righteousness. Your master will be Christ. And if you have a lifestyle of sin, then you need to think and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You need to ask yourself, am I really in Christ? Is that really where my identity is laid? And it's important for all of us to look at that. It's important for all of us to to really know that we are in the faith. That's definitely important. We have to test that. We have to answer those questions. We have to understand that we're in here what Paul talks about in verse 22, this process of sanctification. But if we can't examine and understand our own lives and what's going on, if we don't take the time to do that and we don't see that there's been truly that transformation, that desire to sin less, that desire to have God be our master, then we need to stop and we need to think about that. We need to answer the question, why is that not taking place? What is it that needs to take place for us to give our lives solely to him so that we no longer desire sin to reign in our hearts? And so hopefully we've touched on some of these different things in this passage that are jumping off the page to you. If there's something else there that you're looking at, you're struggling with, and you're trying to find answers to, seek out those answers. Come talk to Ursula. Come talk to myself. Come talk to one of our leaders or somebody else that you respect. Ask them those questions. Hopefully they can help you to to see what the scriptures are teaching, to use the tools that you have to help you to understand in a greater sense what God is revealing to you today. Know today you are loved. You're